Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Okay. Hello. Hello, friends. Welcome back or welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. If you're a new friend, so happy you decided to join us and press play today. And for all of you who have been here for a while, thank you for tuning back in. It has been a minute, hasn't it? I'm so excited to be sitting down again to finally, finally come and talk to you. Um, what I want to share today is the full juicy story because I've shared a little bits here and there and I definitely share more within my programs and workshops but so I always get asked this question when I do a workshop with someone or for someone's community or I go on someone's podcast but I realize I've never actually taken the time to sit down here and share share the full story and the full background with you on this podcast of how I got into this work of decolonizing coaching and personal development and my vision for the future of coaching and personal development and like truly why why we're here, why we're doing this, why my business has pivoted in this way and just how we got here. I think it's it's a really important story to share and it's going to add a lot of context. I think it's going to spark a lot of things for a lot of you possibly for a lot of you who are also indigenous or people of the global majority. Um, but for everyone listening, I think that this is, um, I think it's an important listen. And I'm not saying that because it's my story. I'm saying that because it's it's my story. And every time I tell it, there are so many people who resonate with it or even with parts of it or who get some real insight out of it. So yeah, so I share it all the time on other people's platforms. And my friend, um, Sharin Eskindani, who I love, admire so much, just recently invited me into her community space to um, to speak to a group who's on the wait list for her certification, um, coaching certification program that's coming out, um, which I'm going to be contributing a module for. I'm going to be doing a bit of guest teaching, which is such a freaking honor Sharin is the absolute best and her community is as well. So when I spoke to her community, the ones who are thinking about joining her uh, certification, which you should definitely check out, by the way, if you're like, how do I coach? How do I start a business? What do I do? And you want like the all the things included, like the trauma informed, all of that. Um, She is weaving in like the trauma informed piece, the um, the actual like how to hold sessions and hold space and um, anyways it might be too late <laughs> to even because there was a wait list and the cohorts are limited but just in case it's not too late and anyways in general I always want to amplify and share Sharin's work because I'm a huge fan of everything that she does um, and yeah anyway so we had this conversation with her uh, with her community for those who are on the wait list and she asked me some really great questions And I was like, oh, I need to share these with my community. So her first question that she asked me was, could you share your early experiences in the coaching industry and how they led you to where you are today, teaching coaches how to decolonize their business and make more inclusive spaces? So absolutely, I would love (laughs) I would love to share that with you all today. Um, So I want to begin with just naming some of my identities, right? So for context, most of you know, but in case you're new here, um, so I'm Mohawk Ancestry, which is Haudenosaunee, 
on my dad's side and then um, Algonquin First Nations and European settler Canadian on my mom's side. Um, so I have mixed ancestry. I grew up on a First Nations reserve here in Southern Ontario. Um, and so I was surrounded by a lot of other indigenous children and people. And luckily, thankfully, got to learn what what I do know about um, my culture. I learned at school um, because it was a school on the reserve. So we got to learn some of our traditional songs and legends and um, festivals and practices and language, if I didn't already say language. Um, so what I know about like our culture is either from childhood and school or from reconnecting as an adult and doing everything I can to try to find books and reconnect with anyone who will teach me anything because we've been so disconnected from our culture and it wasn't something that I grew up with a lot, a ton of in my home. Um, I didn't grow up like going to Longhouse with my family or anything like that. And that is a lot of people's experience because of the trauma of colonialism and you know, my parents and grandparents and their parents and grandparents having to literally hide like the fact that they're going to go to a ceremony or that they're going to um, be blowing smoke onto their children, right? Smudging was literally illegal. Leaving the reserve in quote unquote costume or in other words, traditional regalia was literally illegal not that long ago um, because of the Indian Act and yeah, settler colonialism, right? So that's just to give you context of how a little bit of how I grew up. Um, so I grew up, I did grow up on the reserve though, but as young as like six or seven, I experienced racism and realized that somebody could dislike me just because of my race and that racism was a thing, right? Because yeah, it's pretty jarring <laughs> when you when you're a kid and you um, you don't know that that's a thing and then you experience it. So we experienced it as children when we left the reserve to like meet up with other schools and then they were um making fun of us and poking fun at who we are and our culture and um just saying all sorts of racist comments and that so so at a very young age I had an experience my first experience with racism as many people have which is why when people say kids are too young you know we don't have to talk about this to our kids they're too young just let them be kids no, ki kids do need to hear about racism and more importantly about anti-racism because it starts at a very young age and that's because of what we are teaching or not teaching our children, right? So I quickly learned, um, so I experienced that in middle school and then a lot, a lot in high school as well, going to a high school that was just off the reserve. Um, people would very quickly like treat you differently or... or um, be like shocked or just say inappropriate things if they found out that you were from the reserve and so it it I quickly learned that it was easier to hide away my indigeneity um and just act like I was white like I was another you know European Canadian um and that's a privilege that I have the ability to do that because I'm light-skinned Right. So I what what is called white presenting, but I was acting in and leaning into being white passing, which is where you are purposely using your light skin or your um, your proximity to whiteness to purposely pass off as white in order to gain the safety and the other benefits that come with that. So that is what I did for most of high school. Most of the time it, I had to really suss out like who I thought it was safe to reveal my true identity to um and then that carried into college with me as well so fast forward a little bit i i joined the world of coaching in 2019 um even though i'd been into personal development the law of attraction um oprah winfrey vision boards all of that since i was a kid like literally i um as young as like 12 years old would wa love watching Oprah with my mom after school and um, reading The Secret and yeah making vision boards all of that stuff I loved it I didn't realize you could make a career out, out of it 
but I've loved it for a long time and had been kind of in that world and then sort of stepped away during high school and then in my early 20s and so around around the 2019 mark um, I started getting back into it because I became an entrepreneur and I first started out as an essential oils uh, <laughs> sales rep for a network marketing company and if you've ever been involved with the network network marketing company or if you are currently you know that they really push the personal development stuff they have you listen to all the podcasts and do all the mindset work and encourage you to go all these to these retreats and create your vision and all of that and it's great and <laughs> as we know there are some there are some issues with that whole with the whole personal development space which is why I'm here um, bringing forth this new vision that I have for the space, but we're not there yet. So I started coaching in 2019. Um, so this is a couple years after doing my other business with the essential oils and other businesses before that I have, I definitely have the entrepreneurial bone. Um, and my dad is an entrepreneur as well. So it's just like in my blood, I guess I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. Um, but at the time when I started coaching, so I had been like suppressing my indigeneity for so long, right? And kind of denying that part of me. I also had feelings of not feeling indigenous enough because like I said, I didn't know all the protocols for ceremony. I didn't go to Longhouse with my family. We didn't speak Mohawk in my household. And so I felt that compared to some people from my reserve or from indigenous communities who were doing those things, that I wasn't even indigenous enough. Like I felt like a fraud just for saying that I'm indigenous, even though I'm from a reserve. So this this really shocks a lot of people when they hear that. Um, and even at work the other day, I was telling one of my colleagues that she was asking all about the protocols for, you know, can you smudge when you're on your moon time? Can you hold tobacco when you're on your moon time? What's the... Odinashoni perspective what's the Mohawk perspective and I had to explain to her like there is so much of this that I'm still trying to learn like I don't know and this is why and I explained to her like how we've been so painfully disconnected and that there's a lot of trauma there and my dad has no interest in reconnecting and many people from my reserve have no interest and um, refuse to speak Mohawk anymore some of them were literally beaten for it and so she was like, oh my gosh, that's really sad. I didn't know that. So anyway, so I'd been denying that whole part of me for so long um, that I basically was just acting like any other white Canadian girl, right? When I first joined these personal development spaces and these coaching spaces and started my own coaching practice. And of course, I was reading all of these books by white men <laughs> like all the books they tell you to read by Jack Canfield and um Napoleon Hill right Think and Grow Rich is like the first book you get recommended um what else I'm just looking over at my bookshelf to see and like then you get into Marianne Williamson and Gabby Bernstein and um yeah, I know Gabby Bernstein's Jewish, but <laughs> a lot of these just white teachers and leaders in this space, right? Kate Northrup is another book I still have on my shelf. Brene Brown, um, love her. But all of my all of my role models in this space and all the teachers I was learning from are all white folks. And all of the coaching spaces that I joined, all the retreats that I was going to, also predominantly white. And so it was easier as it is in most spaces, um, which tend to be predominantly white, even though black, indigenous, and um, so-called people of color actually make up globally, make up more than 80% of the population. 80%, like we are the majority, not the minorities. So in this space of coaching specifically, which is so online, like it's so international, it should not be predominantly white. Like it doesn't mathematically make sense for it to be predominantly white when we are the global majority. So that tells you right there that we have some work to do, right? But anyhow, these this is how the spaces were and are. And I just kind of, I was so used to not having an indigenous representation or seeing many other indigenous folks um, 
in all of the spaces that I was in that I was like, well, why would I expect it here in this space? So I didn't really like think too, too much of it. And I really was the, just there to get like all these mindset principles and these principles of gratitude and thinking positively and changing my life with with my mindset and my beliefs. And I thought it was so cool to do all of this work. And it is. And so I applied all these principles to the max. Like I am, I know a lot of you will laugh because you'll relate to this. I am a Capricorn rising. So that's like how I present to the world. And Capricorn is very like hustle, go, climb, work, achieve. And then also have, um, so I'm a Sagittarius sun, but then I have Virgo is my moon, right? So Virgo is also a bit of a, <laughs> like, if you tell me to do something, I will do it step by step exactly how you said. And I'm very detail oriented. I'm very like ambitious, go-getter, organized. So I love that stuff to a point, but I'm also a Sagittarius and a fire sign. And I like to um, do things spontaneously and um, yeah, can be very, very fiery as well. So big dreamer, <laughs> always been a big dreamer. So I went like hardcore with these manifestation principles, with the vision boards, I signed up for the courses, invested in myself for the first time, which was terrifying about like a $1,000 course. Um, actually, it was with um, Catherine's and Kina manifestation, babe, and I ended up winning favorite transformation of the group and got to go like spend a day with her in LA. A lot of you are actually here because you found me through Catherine and you're still here. So, hey, thank you. Um, so that was like my first big investment was that program with Catherine. And, um, and then I went on to join others and work with other coaches and masterminds. And, um, I was able to manifest some really cool stuff. Like I, I manifested my first few coaching clients I manifested um like oops need to put my phone on do not disturb manifested um speaking having my first speaking gig and then having my first paid speaking gig um manifested the trip to LA to go meet Catherine um a lot of cool things in my business and the podcast growth and um some money but never like anything huge or monumental and also nothing that felt like super super soul satisfying it was always like oh okay I pushed and pushed and pushed and I journaled every single day obsessively on this thing and then I got it but it was like a hustle it was like I got it by force right and I'm like if everyone everyone keeps talking about like magic and how manifestation should be like magic and I know that we are all made of stardust and miracles are normal but why is this such a, a hustle Right. So then I thought it was other things that are cringy and embarrassing, like just trying to find the solution to like, what's this missing thing that's, what's this piece that's missing? And for a while, I thought it was 5D. I needed to get out of the 3D and go to 5D and just not be in my mind because I was in my mind too much. And then I realized, oh my gosh, well, a combination of things happened. And eventually it brought me back to like, oh my gosh, of course it's not all in the mind because we do need to bring in the body as many of us know now, especially those of you who are my like somatic, you know, dancing mindfulness. That's my friend, Joe, <laughs> dancing mindfulness, um, like somatic teachers. And you know this, you know the importance of being in our body. But we have this right in our medicine wheel from our Anishinaabe brothers and sisters and siblings is that on the medicine wheel it shows us the, that everything happens in cycles and seasons and balance and there's a quadrant for each mind body spirit and emotion and that's kind of when I was like oh because I also went really into the spirit thing I was like okay I see lots of people like you know doing like really intense spiritual healing and they're working with shamans and they are going and doing plant medicine or they're going into their Akashic records and past lives maybe that's the key so for a while I really went down that rabbit hole and again went down the whole 5d rabbit hole but it was too far into the one just one quadrant you can't just only be in the spiritual because we also do live here in the 3d right so 
thank you, spirit. Spirit does guide absolutely everything that we do and is always guiding us whether we know it or not. I truly believe that. Um, I ended up having a an Akashic Records reading. <laughs> and I in this reading, I was told, like, you can ask spirit things like, what do I need to heal in order to reach my next level in money? Or what do I need to heal in order to manifest X, Y, and Z? And so I was like, great. I know what I'm going to ask. Spirit, why are things so hard and taking so long? What do I need to heal in order to reach my next level in business and money? Right. And this is after I'd been coaching for a couple of years. So this is like uh, late 2021, I believe now we're in. And that's only a couple of years after 2019. So when I really look back, I'm like, wow, it's not been that long at all. But when you're in it and you want things to move faster and you're in a society that pushes quantum leaps and fast growth and go, 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 go. You can feel like, what's wrong with me? Why why can't I move the needle faster? Even though I look back and I'm like, wow, wow. Like so much rapid growth has happened. I'm a completely different person basically every half a year, (laughs) if not every quarter, if not every month, if not every week, right? So, and I know it's the same for you. So we need to give ourselves more credit. But anyway, at that time, that's the energy I was in. And I was like, why am I not further along? What's the missing thing here? And this, okay, this is the moment that blew my mind open and changed everything. So Spirit said to me, it has to do with self-worth and it's related to your indigenous ancestors and ancestry and your identity. And at this time, remember, I had suppressed that part of me for so long and I felt like a fraud even saying like I'm indigenous or saying I'm Mohawk. Um, And so I was like, what? No, 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 no. It can't be that. Like, I'm not even indigenous enough for that to be a thing. Like, you know, I've never experienced like, yes, I've experienced a lot of racism, but I haven't experienced like the racism that comes with being quote unquote visibly indigenous because remember... I'm white presenting and that comes with its own levels and layers of complexity and harm as well and pain but I was like no that can't be that can't be right and also I know I'm worthy like I am the queen of doing self-worth work and self-love worth work and affirmations in the mirror and gratitude journaling and I know that I'm worthy I deeply know that I've worked through all my limiting beliefs I was certified in NLP at this point. I knew how to work through a block using the subconscious mind. I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm an EFT practitioner. Like, no, no, no. I've got all the tools. I've done the work. I know I'm worthy. That can't be it. And spirit was just like, well, it is. And that belief that um, you're not indigenous enough is part of it too. And is something that needs to be healed too. And I was like, oh, oof and I really felt that and so this like completely blew my whole mind and shattered my (laughs) reality blew everything open and as I sat with that continued to sit with that reading and that message from spirit for like days and weeks and months and years I'm still sitting with it but I allowed myself to actually go there, to actually look at that part of me that I had been neglecting. And in a world of personal development that is so white and so colonial, where that is completely encouraged because it's not talked about. It's not talked about to explore your ancestral roots and your identity or the racism you've experienced. It's actually encouraged not to do that. And that creates a lot of harm to a lot of people. And so... Once after that reading, I started saying, okay, I'm going to sit and meditate and I'm just going to see what the ancestors have for me. Like, let's see. And I knew that I knew that there was stuff, right? Like I'm not that naive (laughs) and that oblivious and it's impossible to be because when I see a racist comment on the internet about indigenous peoples, I feel that in every part of my body, um, I feel physically sick, I shake, I sweat, um, my stomach goes into knots, and 
anytime anything was on the news about indigenous peoples being mistreated again, like obviously that would really upset me or things, just things happening on the reserve where my parents are from, like us literally not having clean water when like Canada is the world's largest water supply and it makes no actual sense. (laughs) They just got clean water as of um, like last month in 2023, they got hooked up to the city water. Um, So obviously like those injustices and racism and all of that has always bothered me. But I knew that it was deeper and it was intergenerational and it was ancestral, but I just didn't go there. And again, wasn't encouraged to in these predominantly white spaces, right? That was not something that was talked about and not something that I really, nobody said to me, like, this is really, really worth exploring and healing and it's going to be hard and here's how and I can sit with you and guide you through it. Like there wasn't, there was none of that. So anyways, I decided to face this alone anyway, (laughs) at the beginning at least. And I thought, I'm just going to sit and meditate. And I had never really connected with the ancestors in meditation before. But I was like, I'm going to sit and see, just see what's here. See what the ancestors have for me. And oh my gosh, what a can of worms to open up. Like so much pain so much grief so much grief for how disconnected i had been for the connection i was longing for that the ancestors were longing for all of the like just okay i don't know how much context i need to give everyone but like hopefully you're aware of residential schools by now if you're not please google it so all of the children who were killed at res at when they were at residential schools like, I, I literally sat with them, um, not all of them, but a few of them, like my ancestors, um, and I so felt their pain and them saying, like, you need to live the life that we weren't able. You need to be our voice. You need to thrive and be successful and pave a way because we did not get to and we need you and we've been waiting for you. And I always still get emotional when I talk about this, but... Um, that was such a powerful moment, that first time of connecting. And every time I connect, it's so powerful. I'm actually holding on to my little pouch right now that I like to use to connect myself to ancestors. Um, it's like a pouch of sacred medicines and things um, so that they can channel through me and be with me and, and support me. But that was so profoundly powerful. And again, had never done it, was never encouraged to do that type of work in this space. And that was so hard. It was really hard, really, really heavy work to sit with that. But it also felt so good. And so I kept doing it. And then eventually I found Asha Frost, who I talk about a lot and who I consider a dear friend now and a sister and who's been on the podcast and um, is a guest teacher inside the Decolonized Coach community. And basically everything I do, I try to work with Asha whenever I can because I found her and this was the first time I'd ever seen an indigenous person taking up space in the mainstream kind of personal development world and the healing world and she was encouraging folks to to reconnect with their roots and with their indigeneity and encouraging folks especially who like me had been cut off Um, because of like cut off from their culture because of trauma and colonialism and she has such a beautiful way of validating and encouraging your indigenous spirit and helping you move through those uncomfortable um not uncomfortable is like an understatement of the year but like those deeply painful and grief-filled moments that I could not and did not have held for me in my predominantly white spaces I was in because okay so here now we're getting to like how I realized I needed to do this work so (laughs) once I started going through all of this very raw painful heavy ancestral stuff and identity stuff like coming to grips with my mixed ancestry and what that means and my layers and levels of privileges but also the oppression and pain that I'd been suppressing racism I had experienced, the intergenerational traumas, um, the ancestral traumas, like all of it. I brought it, I brought that to the mastermind I was in at the time, which was 
a quote unquote high level support mastermind for entrepreneurs, for coaches. And <clears throat> the teacher was is a white woman and most of the most of my peers were white women. And I said to the group, because we had a very active chat on group chat on Voxer. And this is so active. Like if I had con- gone in and said, hey, everyone, I'm having this like mindset block. I think I'm upper limiting myself with like money and how much I can receive. I would have got like 10 responses and a huge voice note from the coach coaching me through it. So like anything you would say in there would be so held and supported. And so as I'm so emotional and I'm coming to grips with this like whole identity crisis meltdown whatever we want to call it awakening I bring it to the group and I'm like hey this is what I'm moving through right now I'm basically having this huge identity crisis and I'm realizing how much I've been abandoning my indigeneity and how much healing I have to do around it and how much racism I've experienced but also this feeling of not being indigenous enough and it's so much and this is what I'm holding right now and the coach I kid you not liked the message that I sent, like heart emoji, the message. That was it. That was it. No reply. No. Oh my gosh, Emily, that's a lot. We're holding you. We're here. No no response. Just a heart emoji. And then (laughs) only two out of like 20 of my peers responded. And I think it was the two other Canadians in the group. And this was after the discovery of all the children's remains that were found on the sites of residential schools. And so I think there was probably a little more awareness and education too, like here across Canada anyway, about kind of the one element anyways of the traumatic legacy of colonialism. And so the two Canadians, one of them was a, is still a really good friend of mine. They replied very beautifully and said, like, thank you for sharing this with us. That's so much. That's a lot. We're here. What do you need? What feels supportive? Like they, they had such beautiful responses that I was like, oh, OK. But I was still annoyed that the coach didn't respond because then I felt unsafe. Right. I brought this really, really vulnerable, huge thing to the group. And then it just got heart heart emoji and I was like say more things (laughs) say more things but anyway these two people responded and then I said thank you to the two of you who responded because that felt really scary and big to share here and like incredibly vulnerable and then if to to have it like not be responded to is would just feel really unsafe or something like that like I mentioned basically how I was upset that the coach didn't respond. I didn't say it directly though, but I was like, thank you for responding because it felt super scary to put it out there. The coach still didn't respond. I had a one-on-one later with the coach. I thought she was going to use our call to like apologize or ask me what I need. And then I was like, oh gosh, do I even have the bandwidth to explain like why that was hurtful and what I need? And I don't even know, but she didn't even bring it up. She did not even bring it up. And so, and that was like my last call with her. It was just like a bonus call. Um, And that that was it. That was the last call with her. That was the, the last I'll ever work with that particular person. And I've never shared this coach's name. I've never like wanted to blast her publicly. Um... Some people knew who I was talking about because they just they were in my world at the same time I was working with her and they just knew. But it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter because my experience and her response of just silence and not knowing what to say is so common. It's not just that one coach. It's so common in this space. And it's because we've been taught that, especially in this world of wellness and positivity and um manifestation like we've been taught that you don't focus on race or division or 3d problems or um like conversations around race and racism are just kind of like off limits you especially in these quote-unquote safe spaces which is why i now like hate the word safe space or the phrase safe space um 
as do a lot of my <laughs> friends and colleagues and collaborators now who are on the same page as me with uh, decolonizing these spaces. Because we've learned that safe, spe safe space means that it's safe so long as it's upholding white comfort. But as soon as you say something that's not comfortable for white people, it becomes even saying the phrase white people, it's like suddenly that safe space is not safe. You can't actually express those types of things, even though they're true. Um, and as a Sagittarius, like I am a truth teller. I need to speak truth. I need to be honest. That's just who I am. And I also think that's how we grow. And we know as coaches, as people who are into growth and development, that you don't heal something by ignoring it and pretending it's not there. So I knew that this like ancestral healing and the healing of my identity and the racism, oppression, all of that was not going to heal by, you know, just love and light and let's not focus on it and let's transcend the 3D. And like, I was like, oh no, 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 that was all, that was all wrong. But I got caught up in it because that is such the dominant message of these spaces right so there's many things that I've said I even like I have the most cringy things that I've put out that push those same type of messages that I, I now realize how harmful they are um anyway so like I said it wasn't just that one coach suddenly now that I had this lens of like oh my gosh I need to decolonize myself I need to, to reprogram myself I have been swimming in these toxic waters of colonialism and capitalism and grind culture and toxic individuality and all of this and i need to heal that suddenly the whole industry just did not like totally fell flat i could not see it the same and once you see this you cannot unsee it, which is what everyone who takes the roundtable masterclass <laughs> always says to me is like, oh my gosh, I cannot unsee this now that you've pointed it out. And that's a good thing because we can do something about it, right? That's the good, that's the good news. So I want to share with you then what is the vision for the better way and what do we do about it, right? So like I said, I looked back and I had been at that point, I had been in so many different coaches, mostly all white, cis, hetero, able-bodied, skinny, traditionally attractive women um, in so many coaches worlds and spaces and retreats. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I saw how colonialism and capitalism had completely influenced the entire culture of those spaces and how so many of my experiences were really icky, really hierarchical, um, meaning like I'm the coach and I'm the expert and I know best and that's that. And it never felt good. It never resonated with my bones, with my being, with my indigeneity, um, like with our ways that we sit in circle and everybody's, you know, equal. Everybody gets a chance to share and speak and hear each other out and it's not this like push and struggle and fight to take up space even like on a Voxer chat or a mastermind call where there's like 20 people and you get like two minutes to ask a question and if you don't put yourself out there you're not going to get to ask the question like that just never it felt so gross to me and it's because it's so colonial and it's so so far away from an indigenous way of being right so I just looked back and was like, wow, there was so many icky experiences of like hierarchy and even like brainwashing and cult-like behavior, which is something I've talked about before. I've had really bad experience of like spiritual brainwashing and this guru energy and I'm more enlightened than you, so you must do what I say. And if you want to ascend, and just like disgusting, icky brainwashing tactic tactics. Um, business tactics that didn't feel good because they were rooted in modeled and modeled after like patriarchal capitalist ways of being that really ignore humanity and just put money first and i think a lot of the coaching industry is kind of operating in that way because we're doing what we know we're doing what we've been swimming in which is this colonial waters and this colonial capitalist society for so 
long, but it's actually harming all of us. It's harming all of us. This is why so many people are like, I don't even know if I want to be in this industry or be part of this because I've seen so much ick or because it just hasn't fully resonated with me. And so when a lot of people come across my roundtable masterclass or my work, they're like, yes, it needs to be decolonized. That's what it is. And they didn't have the language to say like what felt off or why it didn't fully land for them or feel good. And then they learn about this and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And so I had the same realization when I realized this whole industry is coming from a colonial white lens. And that lens is really like, it's literally destroying the planet and making us all sick. And so why would we bring that lens into the wellness space, the personal development space where we're supposed to be thriving and feeling good and being together in community? It doesn't make sense. So in early 2022, I started to get really passionate about decolonizing wealth, decolonizing success, decolonizing manifestation. And I really, really wanted to speak to to BIPOC, to Black, Indigenous, folks of color, people of the global majority, right? And help them to do this like deeper healing, do this personal development work through a decolonized lens that I didn't see hardly anybody working through. And so as I started to teach, I taught my first, um, actually, no, okay. So I started creating programs for BIPOC and then a ma- like started with a master class and then led into a program which was called Decolonize and Rise, um, which I'll have, to, I'll have to think about bringing back someday because that's just, it's such a great program too. Um, later it turned into Emboldened You, which was also something I'm, I, it's still so dear to my heart. I'm still hoping we might bring it back someday somehow. It's just a timing thing right now and a capacity thing. But as I started speaking to specifically to BIPOC, I was like, but white people need to hear this stuff. And even my sister said that to me, like I was telling her about the masterclass I made and how colonialism like it really does impact our identity, which therefore, of course, impacts our ability to manifest and take up space and feel worthy and thrive and you know, get the spots, get the opportunities, like how privilege and power come in and make a, you know, come in it to play. And I was like, my sister was like, yeah, but like white people need to hear that too. And I was like, I know, I know. So then I started <laughs> creating things to show white people how and why coaching and personal development and manifestation is different for those without white privilege, right? And I did my first, I'll never forget, my first lecture in February of 2022 for Queens University on decolonizing business. And the whole thing was like the eight ways that colonialism impacts indigenous people's um, ability to, to thrive, to take up space, to have the opportunities, and how do we begin to um, you know, create real reconciliation and to begin to heal through that. And the students were so engaged. I freaking love Gen Z and like the next generation of humans because they are so like, they just don't tolerate inequity. They're like, this is so wrong. And why is it not already fixed? And how can we fix it? Um, So it always gives me so much hope when I talk to our youth and since that presentation and most of those students were non-indigenous um, some were folks of color most were white and I realized yeah like the coaches I've been working with they need to hear this right the leaders of these spaces need to know how to make how to make their retreats more inclusive and supportive and their coaching more supportive for us when like just the same old mindset hack and subconscious programming or um, affirmation doesn't just work because you can't just erase centuries of oppression with a mindset fix, right? Or I was talking to somebody today in a Facebook group who's disabled and they were saying how much harm 
they've been caused by being told that they have the wrong mindset and to fix their mindset around their disability um, when they literally have days where just surviving and like feeding themselves that takes all of their energy right so it's very hard to build a business or create this you know these huge amounts of wealth and visibility when you are literally spending all of your energy just trying to survive and that person probably just needed to be validated in that because that's how we heal but instead they were told you need to fix your mindset you need a better attitude so there's a lot of harm that happens in that way so anyway that's how I developed my passion for speaking to coaches and saying like this is what I wish my coach would have said instead of nothing when I brought up this deep (laughs) emotional heaviness around racism and ancestral trauma and this is how you can make me as an indigenous person more comfortable in your space and actually supported and actually thrive and actually healing and since I've been doing this work and embracing my roots and um, Sharin says I'm in my reclamation era totally since being in my reclamation era reclaiming who I am standing proud in who I am doing my best to reconnect um, and heal not bypass so much has manifested like this year especially first things kind of got like a little wonky and fell all over the place um but a lot of magic too and this year especially is just wild how much has happened um and how fast things are moving my business has been growing so i'm conscious of language because i don't think growth growth is ever linear so i want to be clear it was not linear and it is not linear but it's been so deliciously sustainably growing and i've been consistently showing up talking about colonialism and coaching and how to decolonize and reprogram our minds and create more inclusive spaces since then since february of 2022 now we're in september of 2023 quickly approaching october of 2023 which is when i hosted my first live roundtable masterclass and that is the perfect segue into telling you that the roundtable masterclass one year later is coming back live again we've done a live version of it the plan was to do a live every quarter and then that didn't happen because I ended up getting a full-time job. I already had a full-time job, but then I got another full-time job, which is quite a bit more demanding and busy and also involves a lot of anti-racism and decolonization work. So um, it's like emotionally very taxing and heavy as well. So I've just had to scale back and change things around in my business. So I don't do one-on-one packages anymore. You can only work with me one-on-one through the decolonized coach community and then through an upgrading um to a mini package where you can add like bonus sessions and those are very limited um they're sold out right now at the moment and then the round table obviously hasn't happened every quarter but anyways it's happening again this will be the third live round um october 24th and 25th um just finalizing the very final details of it but you can go ahead and grab your ticket anytime because the cool thing about the roundtable masterclass is which is where we have a conversation it's called the roundtable because i'm envisioning that we're sitting at a virtual table that is round ideally or even a fireplace we're sitting around a fire not a fireplace an outdoor fire and we're just sitting heart to heart and soul to soul and we're having these courageous conversations about the ways in which the coaching industry maybe has been quite harmful to um, indigenous people and folks of the global majority and folks who hold marginalized identities and how we can begin to do better where we go from here. And so this, um, the cool thing is you can purchase it anytime and you get instant access to the previous rounds recordings and you always get access to any future live rounds that I run. So you can go grab your ticket right now while you're thinking of it. Um, it's only $88 and it's just, it's absolute gold. There's, so there's a masterclass that I teach on the first day. And then on the second day, there's a panel, um, where we hear from 
a few different perspectives who are also voices of the global majority who are also passionate about decolonizing the world of personal development. And so I've been able to meet the most amazing souls and collaborate with them. I mentioned a couple of them today, Sharan and Asha, but there's been so many more. And so some of them are on the panel. There's some really cool souls going to be on the panel this live round as well that I'm so excited about. Um, and yeah, the idea is to just sit heart to heart and listen and listen and lean in even when it's uncomfortable. I have people messaging me all the time like I just bought my bought my ticket. I'm so nervous to be at this table, but I'm so excited too. Um, and that's that's exactly how you probably will feel and how you like that that sounds normal to me, right? That's okay if you feel a little nervous. Um, because you don't know what shame is going to come up or guilt is going to come up or um, fear is going to come up as you hear some of the things that maybe you've done. But I promise you, I've done many of them too. And a lot of people that I work with have done them too. And we're all on learning and learning together. Because remember, we've all been swimming in these toxic waters of colonialism. So I'm always right here to share with you that we're all learning and growing and that's okay. And we need to normalize that because perfection is a construct made up and pushed onto us, especially those who are socialized as women um, by the patriarchy. And it just doesn't exist. Perfection is not real. So there's no perfect coaches. There's no perfect humans. Um, and we can always work to be growing and learning and doing better and doing better to serve our people right, which can be a very beautifully diverse group of people when you learn the things that we share at the round table. So I hope to see you there. I was going to then go on to explain my vision for the future of coaching, but I'm already 50 minutes into this episode. So I think it needs to be and my throat's getting dry. So I'll do a second episode, a part two um, with my vision for the future of coaching. And of course, you can come to the round table to hear all about it and soak up the energy hopefully live in person um, and if not you know we'll see you on the replay I know that the, the live times don't always work for your time zone and your schedule that's why we record so all the details are in the link in the show notes um, I hope you'll grab your ticket share this episode share this work it's so so impactful and has such a ripple effect so thank you thank you for listening I love you and I'll talk to you next time Thank you again so, so much for listening. If you would like to thank me in return, if you got any value, insights, new perspectives, or you just appreciated this episode or enjoyed this episode, the best way to thank a podcaster is to share with others. Spread the love, spread the magic, take a screenshot of the episode, share it on your Instagram or TikTok stories, and tag me at Emily Ann Brandt so I can personally thank you for tuning in and stay connected. This is truly a community that we are building here, and I love staying in connection with you. I look forward to talking to you again soon, and I'm sending you so much love and gratitude.